Well, hello, it's Danny, your host here at the Mind of My Wellness podcast, and I'm back with another guest episode today. And I know that today's episode is going to totally resonate with you as it's around a topic that so many of my clients are navigating, and I receive countless DMs each week about. I also have my own personal journey with it, and that's alcohol. To give you a little bit of a background on my story with alcohol, I had been a social drinker for years and years until I started noticing the positive effects of not drinking. As a highly anxious person, I started noticing that my anxiety was way more manageable when I went periods without alcohol use. I also noticed that my skin started clearing up, I no longer struggled with consistent constipation, and it became much easier for me to manage my weight and work towards my body recomposition goals. Since then, I've made the decision for me that alcohol just doesn't fit into the equation and isn't elevating me to the version of me that I want to be. Throughout my sober curious journey, I had stumbled across Dr. Brooke Scheller on Instagram, and her education and practical advice helped me gain a ton of confidence and knowledge in my own journey as I was removing alcohol from my life. So of course, I was beyond excited when Dr. Brooke joined me here on the show. Dr. Brooke is a doctor of clinical nutrition, author, and founder of Functional Sobriety, a nutrition-based program for alcohol reduction. After finding freedom from alcohol herself in 2021, Dr. Brooke took her experience in sobriety and applied her expertise in nutrition and functional medicine to help others change their relationship with alcohol. Her approach results in improved brain health, mood, energy, focus, gut health, and hormone balance. In today's episode, we dive into how alcohol leads to nutrient deficiencies in the body and what those deficiencies can manifest as what alcohol does to the gut and how that can affect our brain and even trusting our gut feelings, techniques to navigate social situations when aiming to eliminate alcohol, and so much more. And this episode was so jam-packed with information that I'm bringing her back for a part two. So let's dive right on into today's episode. Welcome to the Minding My Wellness podcast, your podcast for all things macros, movement, mindset, and everything in between. I'm your host, Danny Marenberg, an ex-yo-yo dieting cardio junkie turned sustainable nutrition coach who's helped over 1,000 women feel confident in their skin by learning how to eat for their goals without sacrificing a life well-lived. I created the Mind and My Wellness podcast to give you simple, effective, and manageable tips you can take away from each episode and implement in your daily life to look and feel like the best version of you. Each week, my guests and I teach you the secrets to mastering your health and owning your power. Nutrition, mindset, movement, and women's health are all topics you'll find here. Think of our time together as your productive little health break from the day. So grab your headphones, fill up your water, and let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Dr. Brooke. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Danny, I'm thrilled to be here. And actually, what I didn't tell you before we started recording is I've been listening to your podcast, and I've really been loving it. So I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to meet you, and I'm so excited to talk about this topic today. 
Amazing. I had no idea you were a listener. And now I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. I have been following on Instagram. I was chatting with Brooke just briefly before we hopped on. I've been following Brooke on Instagram now for, gosh, I don't know, maybe two years. And it was one of those, I honestly couldn't tell you how I stumbled across your page. But you have been a huge resource for me throughout my journey with sobriety and navigating that entire topic. I think it's such a big topic. A lot of my listeners kind of range in terms of, you know, they're sober curious or some know that alcohol is just, you know, kind of getting in a, in the way of some of their goals or they want to find a more balanced approach to alcohol. So I'm hoping that in this episode, we can just dive in. And I know we will because you're just a wealth of knowledge. But in this episode, I really just want to dive into, you know, what is the effect of alcohol having on the body? What can we do from a nutritional standpoint, which I know you're very well versed in to support the body when it comes to, you know, alcohol consumption and maybe navigating out of the use of alcohol and all of that good stuff. So lots and lots of education from you today on alcohol, which is, again, is just such a big topic. Yeah. And I, I love talking about this topic. I mean, I, I've shifted all of the work that I do around this because I, I love that you've been sharing your experience with your listeners. I find it to be so powerful to share our stories with other people around alcohol because so many of us feel alone. We feel like we are going through and experiencing something that no one else understands and that maybe we're struggling with our alcohol use and we don't know who to talk to about it. We don't know really what to do about it. And thankfully, in today's day and age, there is a ton of resources online on social media. There's tons of new platforms and approaches that have popped up to help people address alcohol use before it gets to the point where someone would need to go to an AA room, for example, right? For a long time, the only option was you drank or you went to AA, and there wasn't really any in between. And that's why a lot of people have to hit that quote unquote rock bottom in order to go to AA because it's a kind of extreme, you know, option for people. What's so great about the sober and sober curious landscape that's happening today is that there are so many other options and alternatives. And you can say now, I just don't want to drink. And that's more acceptable. And there's more alternative beverages like mocktails and, you know, even pre-canned beverages that you can now get at bars and at restaurants. So it is the easiest time ever to be alcohol free. And if you're feeling that kind of call or urge today, stick with us and listen. And maybe you'll find by the end that, you know, you found some resources that will help you get through this. Amazing. I'm so excited to jump in. But before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Dr. Brooke Scheller. I'm a doctor of clinical nutrition by trade. I am an author of this amazing, I know where this is audio, but in, in the background, I'm holding up my new book, which is just coming out on December 26th called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. And I did not become a nutritionist thinking that I would write a book on nutrition for alcohol use. I was a very heavy drinker for most of my existence. I started drinking at the age of 13 and had pretty heavy alcohol use throughout my teens, my 20s, and my early 30s. And, 
you know, all the while, while I was drinking, I was kind of telling myself, you know, well, I can't have a problem because I, you know, have a a master's degree and I, I can't have a problem because I have a doctorate degree and things can't be that bad because I have a job and all these other things. And right. And that's what we kind of use to justify our alcohol use by saying like, well, you know, nothing that bad has happened to me yet. Right. And the trouble that I was really having was I was suffering with extreme anxiety and depression. And I had been for a really, really long time. And for so long, I knew that alcohol was making all of that worse, but I knew no other way of living. I, again, was, you know, my entire, all of my friendships, all of my relationships, my family, alcohol was a part of all of it. And I didn't even really understand that I, there was another option. So as a doctor of nutrition, my background is partially in clinical practice. So I have a several years I worked in private practice in functional medicine and doing really deep analysis of the body and starting to understand more about the root cause symptoms of what someone might be experiencing. And in the kind of latter part of my career, I started working for startup organizations. So I started working in innovation and food and supplements and really starting to dive more into you know, creation of things in in the health and wellness space. And so that background combined with my newly sober experience kind of spawned this really beautiful thing that I never, you know, again, imagined what would ever happen before, but I developed an approach called functional sobriety. And functional sobriety is really a functional medicine or nutrition-based approach to an alcohol-free life. And what we do is we use foods very strategically and supplements and other lifestyle changes like meditation and exercise and all of those other good habits to support you in elimination of alcohol and sustaining an alcohol-free lifestyle. And all of that culminated into a book. And it has been so exciting and really just the most amazing you know, culmination of my purpose that I didn't think I would find by eliminating alcohol, and I did. That's amazing. I just got the chills because I'm sure that there's somebody listening thinking like, gosh, you know, I'm where she was, and I just don't know how I would even get to the point of cutting back on alcohol use. Because like you said, my social circle, that's a big one that I see a lot of the women that I work with, it's, you know, their social circle or family gatherings, things like that. So that's truly an incredible story. And I mean, kudos to you. This book launch, I mean, launching a book is a huge accolade. So congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. You know, I attribute a lot of my success in the last two plus years to my sobriety. And writing a book is a goal that I had had for many, many, many years. I have wanted to write a book since I was young. I never knew what I would write a book on. Even when I was studying nutrition, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll write a nutrition book, but I didn't know, you know, what it would be on. I used to just tell myself, it'll, it'll come to me one day. Like, I know it'll come to me. And, you know, getting sober was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I will not claim that it is an easy experience to go through. 
some people have it harder and than others, and some people have an easier time. And that's dependent on a lot of things, everything from our biology and how much we're drinking to the support around us. And, you know, I really struggled through the first couple of months getting sober, feeling like that my life was over. And by the third month in sobriety, the fog started to lift. And I had this moment of awareness where I, it was like a lightning strike, where I I had this overcoming desire to write a book on this topic because, you know, I had started following a lot of social media influencers and sobriety. I had started listening to more podcasts and getting more integrated into the environment. And no one was talking about nutrition. And the irony that I didn't share with you is that prior to getting sober, the year before I got sober, I actually authored a textbook chapter within a book on integrative approaches to substance use disorders. And I wrote a chapter called Nutrition and Supplementation for Substance Use Disorders. And so when I got sober, I I had used some of these tools that I had researched. I had been taking certain supplements that can help with cravings, which we can talk about later in this episode. And um, when this kind of overwhelming feeling to write a book came through me, it really like the, the gates just kind of opened and everything aligned in this way. And again, it wouldn't have happened for me if I didn't get sober. So I love sharing that story because if you are listening and you feel that kind of pull in your gut, that sobriety or alcohol elimination does not mean the end of your life. It does not mean the end of fun, the end of socializing, that actually all of the biggest and best goals that you and things that you've been wanting can be right there on the other side of that change. And so, yeah, it's scary, but so is a lot of other things that we do. And so I say do it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly feel that to my core because my experience with alcohol, I, you know, throughout college and after college, I had a social circle and we would go out and it was, you know, very alcohol based. And even after that, it's like you go to happy hour and everything seemed to kind of circle around alcohol. And I struggle with anxiety. So at first, you know, I'm just thinking like, oh, this is just, this is what it is. And didn't really think that there was that link between the two. Very clearly there is. But when I took alcohol out of my diet, I have never been more clear-minded ever in my life. And so I completely second what you're saying in terms of just having more control and more clarity is really what my personal experience has been too with, you know, eliminating alcohol from my diet. Yeah. And that's the experience I see in most people. You know, I work with clients both individually today and I have online programming and an online group and we have members all around the globe, which is really amazing. We have honestly members on, I think, almost all continents now, which is really cool. And being able to see that change in people, that spark of change where, you know, they they really do start to recognize how much it's been holding them back. They recognize that they can get through these seemingly 
impossible challenges that they've had before with a little bit of additional support and a little bit of know-how. And again, nowadays, it's easier than ever to do this. And I really think there's a, a going to be a shift in our society around alcohol. And I think that if you get on board with this now, you're ahead of the curve because we're going to continue to see more people moving toward this in the future. Absolutely. I want to dive into what alcohol is actually doing in the body. So oftentimes we're consuming alcohol, one, two, three drinks, kind of just mindlessly. And I would love to center a little bit of this episode around, you know, what is alcohol actually doing inside of our body when we're consuming alcohol? Yeah, well, that's a big question because it's affecting our body in just about every organ system we can imagine. It's affecting us negatively across the board. So, you know, many years ago, there were studies that came out that showed that small or moderate amounts of alcohol had positive benefits. And what we're actually seeing now in the research over the last few years is really a reversal in that recommendation that even the proposed heart health benefits that they thought may have been present when done in larger studies and looked at in a different light, it's actually not showing any positive benefit. It's showing a negative effect. And even outside of cardiovascular health, which was kind of one of the big ones that, you know, drink red wine, it's good for your heart. And some of that is based around the idea that there's resveratrol, which is an antioxidant. You can get resveratrol in other foods like eating grapes or blueberries or a handful of other foods. But one thing that is for sure is that the research shows there's no controversy over the research around its negative effects on things like our brain and our brain function, our cognition. There is, you know, a lot of us think we think of the liver when we think of its effect on the body. And we oftentimes think that that's far off, that if we're drinking a little bit, that our liver is fine. And I can tell you as someone who had elevated liver enzymes in their early 30s, that that isn't necessarily the case, that we can have liver issues affecting us earlier on, especially if we're drinking heavily. But the liver isn't just the main thing. So a lot of what I talk about in the book is really centered around these kind of three key areas of the body. So one of them is the gut and the digestive system. And that, I know you want to dive more into talking about the gut, but there's a lot of changes that occur in the gut from alcohol overconsumption. There is many effects that happen to our hormones. So everything from our sex hormones to our stress hormones, our blood sugar hormones, but also the other big thing are nutrient deficiencies. And I talk about this a lot because I see nutrient deficiencies in essentially all of my clients. And most of us don't recognize that we have these deficiencies and that they can be causing things like brain fog, like fatigue, like anxiety and depression that actually are brain's neurotransmitters, so our feel-good hormones like serotonin and dopamine, those are all built off of amino acid precursors, which are found in proteins. And they're all converted through the use of things like B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, iron. Ironically, all of these nutrients I'm mentioning are the same ones that are depleted when we drink alcohol. 
And so what happens is we feel anxious, we take a drink, we lower our vitamin status, we make ourselves more anxious, we take another drink, and we get caught in this vicious cycle, right? So it's really no wonder why we get trapped in that feeling of anxiety and wanting to relieve it with alcohol. But this is where nutrition can be really impactful because by utilizing some of these tools of supplementation or certain foods, we can actually start to break that cycle, increase these nutrients, and start to reduce things like anxiety more naturally so that we don't kind of move or go to the drink in order to cope. How do you go about with the clients that you work with? How do you go about navigating and identifying where they need additional support? And then how do you go about providing that support in terms of supplementation? Yeah. So there's a few ways that I work with people. I, as I mentioned, I work with clients one-on-one, a small group of clients one-on-one, which in that case, we can do more individualized testing. We might look at blood work to see which specific deficiencies are present. There are some general supplements that most people can benefit from as part of their alcohol-free journey, like a B vitamin complex, for example. And those I do have, our company, Functional Sobriety, does have customized supplement packs. So we actually put those together if you're someone who's listening and kind of wants an easy foot into utilizing supplements to support you on this journey. But there's also a lot that we can do just through education, right? So This is why my online course, which is called the Functional Sobriety Academy, goes through the different nutrients, what the effects are or what they're used for in the body and what a deficiency might look like so that people can start to identify maybe this is a deficiency that I have and maybe I should be asking my own doctor if they can test that for me so that I could find out, right? So, you know... For a long time, and I don't know if you experienced this, Danny, in your training for nutrition, like I remember in my undergrad hearing, oh, yeah, you don't really see B vitamin deficiencies. You don't see vitamin C deficiencies. Like these are things that you get in most foods. And the reality is that actually when you start testing them, you see that people are deficient in these things. And especially with alcohol use history, especially if it's heavy alcohol use history, those deficiencies can manifest, again, Anything from anxiety, depression, to numbness or tingling in the hands, to restless legs, to anything that you're experiencing, if you kind of have this a diagnosis or a symptom that has been troubling you, if you're drinking alcohol, there's a good chance that the alcohol is making it worse and that by stopping and starting to re- repair your body with nutrition, you can alleviate many of those symptoms. I have a feeling that this question is probably going to come up and in terms of is there a is there like a threshold for alcohol is it fine if i'm having one drink versus you know if i'm having four drinks obviously that's you know maybe that's too much in your experience is there a threshold is it person to person or can you more definitively say that even one drink can lead to these deficiencies Yeah, I'd like to think of it as more of a dose-dependent response, right? That the more alcohol we drink, the worse off that we're going to be. So if you were to have a drink here and there, I don't think that that's going to cause an extreme impact on anyone. I'll caveat that by saying that everybody's body is very different, right? So if you are someone who has maybe an autoimmune disease, maybe you already have nutrient deficiencies, 
that one glass of wine might be enough to kind of trigger some changes in your body. For someone who's, you know, normal, healthy, doesn't really have any major health issues, that one glass might be a little bit different. So I do think it's really unique to each person. And I do think that one thing I share a lot with my clients is if you have a health goal, regardless of what that is, alcohol isn't serving it, right? So whether that's something as small as, you know, my energy is kind of low and I want to improve it, maybe I have PMS, for example, to, again, an autoimmune disease or something more serious, alcohol is getting in the way. And so it really becomes a question of if you're resisting letting go of it, why is that? What is that resistance from? And that resistance is telling me that maybe there's a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol there. I hope you're loving today's episode. I wanted to quickly interrupt to share with you something that I only wish I knew years ago on my health journey that changed everything for me. I was the girl who had tried every diet under the sun, worked out seven days a week, yet was constantly left feeling disappointed that all my hard work and time wasn't paying off. Can you relate? If the answer is yes, then my free training, Three Steps to Transform Your Body with Macros, is just for you. In this training, I share the secrets to leveraging your metabolism to lose fat, without restriction, eliminating the foods you love, or sacrificing a life well-lived. So if you're ready to say so long to yo-yo dieting and kick low-calorie diets to the curb, you're not going to want to miss this free training. Head on over to mindedmymacros.com forward slash free training to register today. Or you can head on over to my show notes to find the link. I hope to see you there. All right, now back to the episode. I did see on Instagram, you have a post about how alcohol can change the gut microbiome, kind of navigating into the gut here, and how that can affect your brain and your ability to tap into your gut feelings. And that I thought was just so powerful. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is kind of one of those like complex scenarios, right? Like, you know, I think based on what we spoke about in the beginning of this conversation of like how alcohol affects your goals and your ability to, you know, kind of tap into your, your intuition. I think we all innately know that to be true, but from a physiological standpoint, that is also true as well. So as I mentioned, another big area that alcohol affects is the gut and the gut microbiome. And it affects that in a couple of different ways. First, when we overconsume alcohol, we change the amount of enzymes and stomach acid that we have, and it can affect our ability to absorb nutrients and the foods that we're eating. The other kind of big area that alcohol is going to impact is the gut microbiome. So the actual balance of bacteria that live in the gut. So I'll, I'll simplify by saying most of us know about probiotics. Probiotics are the good bacteria in the gut, but we also have negative or harmful microbes that live in the gut too. When we take probiotics, the goal is to offset those negative microbes and have more of those good healthy microbes, the probiotics. So when we drink alcohol, we actually change the microbiome and we start to skew more toward that unhealthy bacteria, 
we start to deplete or reduce the amount of probiotic good bacteria that we have. And so now we start to have what's called dysbiosis. And this dysbiosis can manifest in many, many different ways. It can manifest in the way of digestive issues. So someone who has this imbalance might experience constipation or loose bowel movements, maybe heartburn or reflux, but it goes much further beyond the gut. One of the big areas that the gut affects is the brain. In fact, the gut is actually often referred to as our second brain because the majority of the communication between those two organ systems actually goes from the gut to the brain, which is not what most of us would think because we think the brain is the control center, right? But the gut is actually controlling the brain, which is shocking when we hear because we don't think that that would make much sense, right? Well, actually, those microbes in the gut send a lot of the signals in our body that affect our brain, right? So when we have an imbalance, when we have this dysbiosis in the gut, it affects these microbes that are sending good, healthy signals throughout the body. And because of this, there is hypothesis, there is discussion around how this affects things like our decision-making behaviors, right? That these microbes and the, the balance or imbalance that's going on in the gut actually has this larger effect on our life than, than we really understand. And, you know, it's, it's something so interesting to me because I often get the question, like, when you started doing this work, what was the most surprising thing to you? Like, what was the most surprising thing that alcohol does to the body? And when I learned more about the gut and the effect that alcohol has on the gut, I don't want to say I was surprised. Like it, like it made a lot of sense when you know the physiology of the body, but it's something that I was most surprised that no one's talking about. I'm very surprised that there isn't larger discussion in the nutrition, health, wellness space right now of how impactful alcohol is on the gut. Because alcohol is also a huge contributor to leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And that is a huge concern in the world today because it's affecting the rise of autoimmune disease. It's affecting the rise of food sensitivities and food allergies, immune system issues, right? And even just a single alcoholic beverage does start to decrease function of the gut lining. So when we talk about its effect in that regard, Again, weighing risk versus benefits, if you're someone with an autoimmune disease, you're going to be much more heavily affected by one drink than someone who doesn't. It's interesting because it strikes a personal chord here with me because I had gut issues. I had leaky gut that I have been working on now for months and months and months and months after you know doing a stool test and, and diving into all of that. And that was a big there was already that you know idea of alcohol is not serving me from an anxiety perspective. But as I started really putting a lot more attention to my healing journey, like you said, there's just so many aspects of the body that can be negatively affected through alcohol use. I think it's really interesting too, because I've had conversations with friends around ceasing alcohol use. And it's this topic where it can be very tricky. We've already talked about, you know, social situations, which I want to get into a little bit more too. And I think that the term sobriety can sometimes 
trigger, you know, oh, well, that means that I have a problem. But actually, in my opinion, that's just a word. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I had an abusive relationship with alcohol. I think in social situations, that was there and that was just socially accepted for me. And I was just, that was just the pattern that I was in. For me, and I know each person is so unique, but for me, it was, it wasn't really hard for me to give up alcohol after I started feeling these just incredible benefits of going prolonged periods without drinking. But I, through some conversations with these friends, I would use the word sober and they would be like, well, you didn't really have an alcohol problem. So I think it's really important to note too, just from listening to everything you have that you've been saying, it doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, well, I'm abusing alcohol. I need to, you know, look into these things. It could simply be that, you know what? I just want to feel my best. I want to do good by my body. So I kind of just wanted to touch on that word sober or sobriety too, because I think there's oftentimes this connotation that you have to have, you know, some extreme dependency upon alcohol to experience that, but but you really don't. Yeah. And alcohol is a very interesting drug because, and it is a drug, right? Mm -hmm. Which most people don't like to hear that, but it is a drug. But it's the only drug where if you're not doing it, people will say, hey, why aren't you having a drink? You would not go to a party and people wouldn't say, hey, why aren't you doing some heroin? Like no one would be asking that, right? It's a socially acceptable drug. And, you know, the interesting thing about the alcohol world is that everybody has a very personal connection and personal feelings and personal motivations around it. And oftentimes when we share about our own experiences, it triggers something in someone else, right? I can share, and you've probably experienced this too, Danny, that oftentimes when we say like, oh, I'm not drinking anymore, the person responds with, oh, I don't drink, I don't drink that much either. Oh, I only drink on the weekends. They kind of have to justify back to you like why their drinking is okay and how they have it under control, which says more about them than it does about you, right? And I think oftentimes we go into these situations and we're really worried about if we don't have a drink or if we don't order a drink or if we say no to a drink, that that's going to mean something about us or that people are going to be upset about that or that people are going to ask us and we're going to be not sure how to answer. And it is, as you mentioned, so very personal. But I also think that deciding and coming to terms with our own conviction behind this is really important because I have clients that do truly have health issues that they're working on. And being alcohol-free is truly, truly part of that health journey. And that client will still have trouble communicating to a friend or a coworker, for example, around alcohol. And I say, tell them you're working with a nutritionist and that this is a health, this is something you're doing for your health. I think where we get caught up is when we don't, we aren't sure for our own selves why we're doing this. Right. And so going through this journey, it's it's important to learn more about yourself and learn more about your experiences with alcohol so that you can determine what you want your life to look like. Right. Because if I am someone who is a business owner and an author and I want to be successful and I have these five things, right? 
when I look at those five things, alcohol does not serve that. So the challenge is when we have these big groups of friends where we're used to going out and drinking together and all of a sudden you're the odd man out, right? You're the only one who's, you know, considering quitting drinking. And what I always like to challenge people to say too is that my guess is that there's at least 20% of those people who are also thinking that they're drinking too much and want to cut back and they're also afraid to talk about it. And now in the day of sober curious and sober Octobers and dry Januaries, it is more acceptable than ever to say, I'm actually taking a month off and I feel really good. And that puts someone right in their place, right? When they say, hey, why aren't you having a drink? And you say, actually, I'm feeling really good without drinking. Usually that person isn't going to go, oh, but you should just have one. Oftentimes when that person is saying that, it's when we don't have a firm or enough conviction in our own response and our own answer. So it's all about us and what we want and letting all of that stuff go, right? Letting the noise of the people around us go because they're ultimately not the ones living in our body. They're not the ones that have to wake up with the anxiety or the hangover the next day. And so we make those decisions for ourselves and not for anybody else. Absolutely. I love that you said that. I also think that there are probably some listening that feel like, yes, that's what I want. I'm just not quite there yet. Like, I don't know how to say no. And I'm still, you know, they're kind of like on this precipice of like, this is what I want, but I feel maybe peer pressured. And and to your point, yes, it ultimately comes down to you standing in your power and knowing that wholeheartedly, like, this is not serving me. This is why I'm making this decision. But I did have a question from my audience when I pulled them. Do you have any, you've already mentioned a couple, but any hacks for minimizing alcohol use in social situations or navigating some of that? Yeah. And before I jump to that, I, I just want to share that something I recommend to every single person, whether they're individual clients or someone who's messaging me on in my DMs, that finding a community of alcohol-free people is the crux of this experience. It's part of the reason why I launched my own network and my own community is because we need more spaces for people to be able to meet and connect with other sober or alcohol-free people. Because if I'm going through this on my own and everyone around me drinks, it's hella hard. If I start developing community and connections with people who are alcohol-free and who can support me through these decisions, then I'm much more likely to stick to that change and to make that change. It's actually, community is actually a big part of the reason why something like AA has much of its success. There's research on part of why it's as successful as it is, is because of the community element that you meet other people that you can learn from that can kind of inspire you and motivate you. And so when we can have and create that environment around us today, it doesn't have to be AA. It could be any other sober community. It could be people on Instagram that you meet, right? And having those people is key. But when it comes to specific social situations, there's so many ideas that we can talk about in terms of how to navigate this. And one of the things is, of course, mocktails, right? And ordering a mocktail or a non-alcoholic beverage, you don't even have to tell people that it's a mocktail, right? You can order a club soda with lime or you can order, you know, a lemon lavender 
lemonade that has no alcohol in it. And people ask, you just tell them it's a lemon, lavender lemonade, right? And (laughs) they move on. So oftentimes just having something in your hand takes away people's questions, but also helps you feel like you're partaking and you're engaging. Because if you're sitting there empty handed, you will feel left out, right? You're, Mm -hmm. what do I do with my hands? Yeah, what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) But that is, you know, that is only one of the the tools, but it is a great tool. And, you know, nowadays there's, you could get mocktails anywhere. And a lot of restaurants even have some of the great brands that we have today. But also, you know, I think it's important to share with people about your alcohol-free journey or your experience if you feel comfortable. So by telling people and by sharing that, it gives us this level of accountability where if I go to, you know, let's say I'm going to meet up with friends for happy hour and I'm trying not to drink. If I show up and I'm nervous and I'm not talking to anyone about that, it's going to be really hard, right? I'm in my own head. I'm worried about it. If I talk to a friend before who's going to be there, or if I show up and say, you know, I'm actually not drinking right now. I'm just going to order a mocktail and maybe I'm going to only hang out for an hour or so instead of the whole three hours. By you telling that person, that now instills a layer of accountability for you that if you are starting to change your mind and say, maybe I'll have a drink, you go, no, I already told someone I'm not drinking. I'm not going to go back on that, right? So I like the idea of of having accountability people where wherever you are. It, you don't have to tell them the whole story. You could tell them that, you know, you have an early workout class or that you are working on this, you know, you're following Danny's macros plan and, you know, and that doesn't include alcohol. And so there's so many different ways. Like I want to eat my calories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One other quick thing that I'll mention too is because I mentioned staying for an hour, maybe not three, is having like an early exit strategy. So if you're going to a happy hour, if you're going to a wedding, if you're going to something that's maybe going to be more triggering, you don't have to stay the whole time, right? So you can leave early, get yourself to bed at a nice good time. You wake up early in the morning, have yourself a good workout, nice breakfast, not be hungover. But so having an exit plan and maybe exiting before you get too triggered can also be really helpful. I'm going to say something that might ruffle some feathers, but I truly think because I I have I'm thinking of one client in particular. She has been struggling with alcohol use with a specific friend for months now, and she feels a lot of pressure when she's going to dinner with this friend and her friend will you know, put on the pressure like, oh, well, just just one drink. It's just one drink. And she knows like, I I don't want that one drink, but I feel uncomfortable. I feel like she's going to think of me differently. And the uncomfortable truth there, in my opinion, is that, is that really your true friend? If she cannot support you in the goal that you have of being the best version of yourself. So I say that, I want to say that lightly, but also I think it's the reality of it is the people that you surround yourself, if you are open, much like what you're talking about, I think, of course, having open, honest communication and sharing and having that accountability piece is so huge. And for me and my personal experience, it took me a little bit to get there. At first, it was like, oh, what are other people going to think about me? 
And then I got over that and I was like, I don't care what other people's opinions are. I know what I want. It took me getting that clarity in exactly what I wanted to feel that confidence and make those decisions. So I know it can be a little bit of a road to get there. But if you are around people who are trying to pressure you or like you said earlier, that is saying more about them and their relationship with alcohol than it is about you. And that sounds a lot like a boundaries thing, Mm -hmm. right? Where if this person is having that type of response and you're allowing that type of response and giving into that type of response, my gut is telling me that there are some unhealthy boundaries in the relationship because you're giving in to that person's will, mm-hmm. right? You're bending to that person's will. And you bring up a good point, Danny, where a lot of times when we get sober, a lot of those friends fall away because they have very different priorities. And that's okay. You know, we don't have to keep the same friends around for our entire lives. And especially when we get, when we quit drinking alcohol, we see a lot of those friendships fade. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we end up with no friends or we end up losing all of our close relationships. It just means that we start to find the ones that mean more to us and that are more aligned with who we are and what we want to be. You know, I get that question oftentimes too, where, People have a specific friend in mind, a specific, you know, person in mind, coworkers, certain situations or environments that are most triggering like that. And I always say, maybe suggest not going to dinner instead, you know, going for a walk or meeting for breakfast and have coffee rather than a drink, because then you're changing the environment. It's a lot harder to go and see that person where you normally have that bottle of wine and sit there and not drink anything rather than saying, if you do really want to spend time with that person, how about let's get coffee or let's go for a walk at the park instead and let's do something outside of that drinking environment. And then you get a chance to see if you like that person outside of the drinking environment. Oh, yeah. Amazing. That's such a great recommendation. I love that. And I feel like naturally that's what I've gravitated towards. It's been the walks. It's been like, hey, let's go for a walk. I need to prioritize my daily movement. (laughs) But yeah, I love that. Exactly. I feel like, I just feel like I could talk to you for hours. I feel like we might need a part two. I feel like we might need a part two. (gasps) Let's do part two. I love a part two. (laughs) I feel like we need a part two. We can dive into the, the hormone side of things. Oh, there's just so much to talk about here. But last question I have for you is actually from my audience as well. What is your go to mocktail? Yeah. So great question. I'm actually a huge bubbly water person. So we drink a lot of LaCroix. Uh, I will not surprise anybody. I have a lot of tattoos, but I won't surprise anyone by saying that I have a LaCroix can tattooed on my body. No way. It was a sobriety tattoo. Yeah. I love that. I feel like LaCroix needs to sponsor me. They haven't yet. LaCroix, if you're listening, I'm here when you're ready. (laughs) But I, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite brands is called Curious Elixirs. And they are a ready-to-drink beverage company. They have eight different drinks. They are they have herbs in them. They're all no added sugar. They do a really great job in the production and the sourcing of their products. And they taste good. And they they really do mimic, I think, a higher-end kind of experience in terms of a cocktail or a mocktail. So I really love Curious Elixirs is one of my top, top favorites. And I don't, you know... I don't drink a lot of the mocktails just because they are, a lot of them are high in sugar. 
And so I'm a bigger fan of, you know, the bubbly waters and bringing in maybe some of these every here and there, but not necessarily leaning on them all too often. I'm also a big fan of teas and coffees and just beverages outside of, you know, a cocktail itself, which is a fun thing to explore when you get sober and you're like, oh, what, what am I liking to drink today? Yeah. So many options. My go-to, I'm very similar to you. I'm a, like a sparkling water girl. So I get the lime LaCroix Mm -hmm. and I put half of a chili mango element packet in it and Uh it's delicious. And then I put it in a wine glass because honestly, that's the only thing I miss about the art of, or not the art, the act of drinking alcohol was just the wine glass. Like I just like having a wine glass. So I just sub the alcohol for my sparkling, yeah, my sparkling little concoction. And it's like you said earlier, it's kind of just the having something in your hand and just the act of like, I'm enjoying this very hydrating drink rather than alcohol. And I love it. And I don't miss it. Well, I have mocktails and some other functional beverages inside of my book. Perfect. How to eat to change how you drink. There is a full recipes section in addition to all of the content and education, but to also, you know, give you some ideas in terms of other beverages that you can make at home too. Perfect. Can you remind us when is your book launching? The book launches on December 26th. Perfect. So it'll be by the time this episode airs. So you can go grab it. It is out, people. We're, we're, I'm saying this for the future, that it is out. You can get it now wherever books are sold. Amazing. And yes, it's called How to Eat to Change How You Drink, Heal Your Gut, Mend Your Mind, and Improve Nutrition to Change Your Relationship with Alcohol. And it is for people who are at all different levels, whether you've already cut out alcohol, if you're brand new to this discussion, you will find insights here to help guide you through that experience. Amazing. I can't wait to order mine. Where can we find you? Yeah. So go ahead and follow me on social media. I'm most active on Instagram at drbrookscheller. And also you can head to functionalsobriety.com to learn more about my online network, my online programs, and our customized supplement packets as well. Amazing, Brooke. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was an awesome episode. I already know we're doing a part two for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Thank you for listening. And I hope that everyone who's listening today can just take a little bit of wisdom into their alcohol-free lifestyle or alcohol-less lifestyle in the future. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I love hearing from you. So shoot me a DM over on Instagram at Mind and My Macros to keep the convo going. If you've learned anything from this episode or any of my past episodes, I'd really love it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I love hearing what you've learned or what you've taken away from any of these episodes. It means so much to me when you do that. And if you have any friends you know that need a little help kicking some old dieting mentalities to the curb and want some simple, effective, and sustainable tips to feel their best, share a link to this episode with them. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you next time.